I was very aware that it was an entertainment show. And they've got a shot of me and I'm just like, oh. you talk to anybody at the company about that? Like the fact that it's, no. it's, no. Do you think that the show do a good enough job to people that are going on it, the contestants, to educate them on what they are getting into? The arrogance to think that you can plan every aspect of your business and that it's going to be perfect yeah, when you've never run a business. Victoria Goldborn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. How you doing? I'm good. So, take it back, you're from Merseyside, Liverpool? Yeah. yeah. Grew up there? So, grew up in Holland actually, so I'm actually Dutch. <laughs> I know, I know, it's my accent so strong, like people literally just don't expect it. I can it. see it though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so um, my mum's Dutch, dad's English, so wow. I was born over in Holland, like lived there for like the first few years of my life and then... Do you speak Dutch? Yeah, like I do speak Dutch. I feel like now I would, I used to say that I was fluent, whereas I wouldn't say that I'm fluent now right. just because I don't speak it every day. So I feel like it's just my confidence. Where in Holland? Um, so it's from the south. It's like kind of near Rotterdam. Okay. That's probably like the biggest city. Um, it's actually like a little, one of the little islands off Holland. No way. So that's why I like, So what yeah. brought them over to, back, back to Liverpool, I guess? Yeah, so it was my dad's work. Um, I think there was a choice no. where it was either going to be Canada or the UK. And then because my dad's from the UK, it was just what like- What does he well, do? Um, he was in like a construction like company, okay. um, like an auctioneer for like construction equipment. So yeah. he was in that and- um, yeah, so we came back to the UK, but that, that's how we ended up having like such an English name. Cause obviously like we took my dad's surname, which was English. Mm. And then cause we were living over in Holland, like my parents thought it'd be really nice was to have like a traditional English name instead of having mm. like a Dutch name, yeah. which obviously now I'm really gutted about. Cause I kind of wish that my mum would have gone down the other route of giving us the Dutch name. What was the obviously, Dutch name? Actually she was going to call me Puck. So I don't really know if I would have liked <laughs> Puck Goldborn. I just don't really know. <laughs> don't really I, I like that. A puck. So she get back with Victoria, yeah. but I think it suits me better. And what were you like in school? Oh my God, awful. Class clown. <laughs> my teachers told me that I was never going to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, I was in detention pretty much like every week. I don't think I ever did my homework. Yeah. Like, don't think I ever really went. For... That actually made me pay for my A-levels. Oh, no, wait, I didn't even get A-levels. I went to do AS levels. And they said that the school weren't gonna pay for my AS levels. And I'm pretty sure they pay for everyone's AS yeah, levels. Yeah. Like it was a normal school. I didn't go for like a private school or anything. And I had to pay to do my AS levels. And then I still failed them anyway, so. So where did the entrepreneurial side of you come through? Was it during school? Um, I've always sort of had it. So I hated school, hated being in the classroom, just always wanted to make money. And I used to skip school to go and work. Um, and it was only working in a bar in Formby. It was like a bar restaurant. And I used to not go to school and go to work. And I was getting in trouble and school were ringing my parents, even yeah. at like the latest stage of being like, she's she's not coming in. But I'd just be telling my mum and dad like, but I'm earning money. So I just didn't see like the, the issue. issue. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, but it's fine though. It's not like I'm skipping school to like, go to the park or yeah. sit at home. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make money. So I think I've always sort of had that in me. Um, and then it's just kind of stuck with me. Like I've always kind of been a person that can't switch off either like after a job. So like if I'm not doing something that's like earning me money at like a job, I'll be doing something on the side anyway. So I've had like a million and one businesses. Like I've done things like selling bikinis. I was making necklaces at one point. Yeah. I was making my own beach bags. Like just anything that I could like, loved like buying and selling stuff. But um, am I right in saying when you came out of school, you went into cabin crew? Yeah. That, so how so, did that happen? I kind of left without getting my A-levels. Um, 
didn't really know what I was doing and was just like working in bars and restaurants. Um, and I remember my mum had sent me like a interview sort of snippet and she was like, oh, they're interviewing for one of the airlines. And actually my mum always wanted to be an air hostess. Mm. Um, but she actually applied for a job at EasyJet and like she got the job and I was like, mom, I don't think that's like what she wanted to do. Like, she, cause she always wanted to like travel, yeah. but like obviously with an airline like EasyJet, you don't actually get to travel. Like you just kind Fly of back leave. And forth. Yeah, 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 so it wasn't really the vibe. So she was like, oh, why didn't you try and like go for something like Emirates? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like it is something that, mm. you know, would kind of fit in with what I enjoyed anyway. I was working in bars and restaurants, so why not go and do it? you know, with something that would give me more of a career. And yeah. um, so I was like really unsure of what I was actually gonna do. I just know I just wanted to work at the time. Like how long did you do that for then? I was there almost six years. Wow. So it is a long time actually, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I did love it, yeah. yeah. So I moved over when I was 21. I actually uh, did my interview for Emirates when I was 20. Mm. And you have to be 21 because it's um, an Arabic airline. So to serve like alcohol to the passengers, it's just mm. a thing, you have to be 21. And I remember I got the job before my 21st birthday. So I actually had to wait to turn 21 until <laughs> really? they could fly me over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I loved it. I think it gave me so much like life experience. I was gonna say, do you, do you think it's really helped your business now? Just knowing that, because from my experience of flying from Emirates, it's one of the best customer services that you get. Yeah. But do you think it's helped? Yeah, 100%. I think it shaped me in like every form of like my life, yeah. even going for, the Emirates interview, it's like one of the hardest interviews that I don't know if it is now, but when I was doing it back in the day, like Emirates were expanding like the crazy amount and like they were hiring so many cabin crew at the time, but they were really selective. And I remember when I went to like my in my interview, there was actually like hundreds of people there. And I remember there was only, I think there was maybe 20 of us that had got the job out of like the hundreds of people that had like gone. Wow. So it was like, it was like quite selective, but I think even like going through the interview process has sort of shaped how I am today as well. And like, it has mm. helped me in other aspects that like obviously The Apprentice. Yeah. It kind of shaped that as well. Which kind of places did you fly to? Cause I'm fascinated by cabin crew and pilots. My dad used to be a pilot. Oh, really? And I used to work. My job before I started outreach was I was a tour manager for musicians. So we flew yeah. all the time, six months a year. So I love it. And it's always been something that I think it's a, I'd love to be a pilot if I wasn't doing this. Yeah. So it always fascinates me. So like, where did you fly to when you were doing it? So I was lucky enough that I was like, in Emirates, you kind of do like worldwide fleet. So we mm. literally, I covered everywhere. I think I flew across like 80% of like the Emirates network, which was quite a lot of destinations. I think I've cut, it's over a hundred countries that wow. I've been to. Yeah, it's been like amazing. And I think when I first started, I was on the old contract as well. So they have obviously changed the contracts like going through. But when I first started, like we were doing five days in LA and like we were getting paid every single day wow. we were there, obviously hotels, everything. It was amazing. And yeah. then some of the destinations that I've been to were just crazy. Like you would never go there on holiday. Mm -hmm. And I think some of those are the destinations that are like most interesting as well. Like been to like the most craziest places. What's it like being with all that cabin crew all that time? Like, does it get, cause I, you hear funny stories of ca cabin crew. Does it get a bit, <laughs> I don't know, bougie? Yeah, I've got so many funny stories. Like there's funny stories about the passengers, but then there's even mm. funnier stories about the crew. Yeah. And you think like, uh, when I was there, I think there was like 13,000 cabin crew. It's definitely about half now after COVID, but mm. there was about, I think maybe 7,000 pilots. And, um, 
there's you think it's actually quite a big company but it's really not and like you get to sort of like know everyone that you work with as well yeah. especially because a lot of people fly like the same routes because they enjoy them mm. um so you do get to like become like quite pally with people um but yeah there's a lot of drama like i feel like they've missed a trick by not yeah. having a, an above show. clouds you yeah. didn't really have like below deck yeah, yeah. like oh my god yeah there's so much stuff that happens and like even like the crew rest compartments like there's some build that goes on not did you have to with live them. with other crew members when you were in dubai yeah, so when you first went over, they put you into, like, a crew accommodation and you were literally put in with, like, two random people that, like, you'd never met oh before. Oh, my God, it's like uni. Yeah, and it was so... Because I'd never been to, like, uni, so yeah. I just didn't really know what to expect. And I think I was put with... I can't even remember who I was first put with. I had a few, like, flatmates. I, oh, actually, I got put with an English girl and a Dutch girl. So for me, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I was kind of, you know, like, could be friends with them both because we had, like, loads of stuff that we could talk about. Mm. Um, but I know, like, some of my friends, they were put with people, like, that they've never even, like, been to that country before. Yeah. And it was really hard for them to, they like... speak different languages. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, like, how do you live with someone that has such a different yeah. culture to you? And you just, like, they're just worlds apart. But it was actually really nice because a lot of friendships blossomed from that. And, like, people really... And I think that was the whole point of Emirates as well is, like, you do, you do get to learn, like, so much about other cultures yeah. and other people. And it's, it actually is, like, one of the things that I love do you, the most. Do you think that... Because I definitely think that... Because I've worked in America, I've worked in Asia, I've worked in basically every continent in the world at this point. And I think it's made a huge difference in terms of the way that I run a business and it's helped me in business because it's not just, you just know the English culture. Do you think that that's helped your career now? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think even just speaking to people of different walks of life, mm. I think that really helps in yeah. like business as well. And I think a lot of my knowledge now has come from speaking to the passengers that were on my flights and actually just listening to what they did and I spoke to like so many different like um celebrities like CEOs of like huge companies um because I was like lucky enough to fly like pre premium cabin and often like we'd be in charge of like maybe like two to six passengers and if you had someone that was like open to talk on like a long call flight like the stories of like how their success happened oh, wow, yeah. actually really inspired me as well and then obviously that sort of like led to me wanting to have my own business just because I'd mm. heard about all these like success stories and how basically people have made it from like absolutely nothing mm. and like their stories and like their journeys and I just found that like really inspiring I think that definitely has shaped like yeah my sort of like business knowledge now as well and is that why you left like how, why did you leave I guess Emirates or cabin crew yeah so it was honestly purely because of COVID really? and yeah I think I would I definitely done like my time as well like I had done like six years but I think I probably would have stayed a little bit longer um and I kind of yeah it basically COVID happened and they closed like the international borders. So mm. I tried to panic by a flight out of Dubai because they said we're closing the borders. We don't know when it's going to oh open back up again. Yeah. And this was in March, 2020 when the UK started getting quite mm. bad with COVID. And I think at the time it was so scary for everyone. And I was just like, oh my God, like the death numbers were rolling in. Like we were getting a lot of the news in Dubai, obviously, because we don't have like the same news outlets as the UK and mm. things do get blocked as well. So we were getting a lot of like the news stories from over Asia way and over the China way. Um, and it was quite scary for mm. us. So I was just like, oh my God, I want to like go home. I don't want to be stuck in the UAE. And I didn't know when they were going to open the international borders again. Um, but obviously everyone else had the same ideas and they were closing I think the game was four hours before they were closing the borders. Yeah. So I couldn't get on a flight. So I ended up being stuck for 
eight months on ground. I didn't fly once. Um, Obviously, we made most of our money when we flew. So I had like a base salary, but it didn't really cover anything, not the living expenses to buy. So Mm. I was burning through all my savings, but I had no option. Like there was no way out of the UAE. I was literally just stuck. And then they started doing a few like repatriation flights because I was technically employed and in accommodation, I couldn't get on any of them. Um, So it was quite a scary time to be honest. And then I think, I was just like, as soon as they're opening up that borders, I'm going. <laughs> like, I was just like, I just want to go home. Like, it was kind of a bit of a sad ending to what had been like such an amazing career. Yeah. But then how did the sweet life start? Yeah. So then I came back and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I've yeah. got no job. I didn't, again, like, I was just like, I wanted to do something. I wanted to just make money. Like, it was mm. all that thing. And then because I'd already done things on the side of like my job, I'd really enjoyed sort of like being creative and I'm quite like a creative person. So I thought, how can I incorporate like what I've learned at Emirates and bring it into something like myself? Mm. And it might seem far-fetched, but I'd loved sort of like, I'd done a lot of like food training to get into like the premium cabins in Emirates. And I thought, I love like the presentation side of it and making things look good. So I thought, well, what can I do? I was like, well, I can't bake, (laughs) I can't cook. I don't want to be a chef. Like, I was just like, oh, I don't know. And then it was like a bit of an idea that just got flung out and it was like, why don't you just try picking mix boxes? And to be honest, I feel like I was really lucky because Mm. it was during lockdown. Yeah. No one was really going out. And Mm. honestly, like the success that I had within that business within, it was actually the first month I'd opened it in January and February could not believe my eyes. Like I started on Etsy, mm. which didn't really even know much about it. Wow, so you put sweets on Etsy. Yes, were were bought... people even doing that? Like selling food, I guess. Yeah, it? like yeah. there was there was people doing yeah. it. Um, but I just I just because I'd had like this sort of like food presentation thing, people were just like throwing the sweets in the boxes and they were just sending you like a bag of like mixed yeah. up sweets. And I was like, literally like my OCD came in and I was like placing <laughs> them like in the very like particular order and just making it look all snazzy. And I just like put them on Etsy. And I remember it was like my Valentine's boxes. So I'd opened in January with like 250 pounds of sweet orders. And I just typed in like sweet supplier and just ordered them, got these loads of sweets. Don't get me wrong. The first month, horrific. Thought, <laughs> thought I would empty all the sweets, shove them into boxes. And I was just doing them like local delivery. Yeah. Oh my God, they were so bad. I feel like because I'd opened all the packaging and I hadn't sealed them properly, all the sweets went stale. Mm. So it was so bad. So it was kind of like a bit of a waste of money. Um, the learning curve though. It, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like I've made so many mistakes along yeah. the way. Um, ordered 500 boxes of packaging to then realize that it was the wrong packaging. It wasn't gonna <sighs> work. So it was all of these things that like I've made along the way, but it was the real thing that I was like dead lucky with mm. was putting the Valentine's boxes onto Etsy. Um, and it was such like a random thing. And then I just remember like one day I'd woke up and there was like five orders on it. And I was like, that's weird. It's like 8 a.m. And it was like two weeks before Valentine's day. And then I remember at the end of that day, I think I'd made like 300 pounds. And I was like, 300 quid? Yeah. I was buzzing. I was yeah. like, oh my God, like what? Like in a day. And then that two weeks just went absolutely mental. And I remember, the Etsy notification is like a ka-ching. And I remember like after like the third day of it, like rolling and continuing, I ended up like turning the ka-ching off because at the start, like we thought it was dead funny and like we were joking around the house, like, oh my God, I've got a sweet shop. Like thought it was dead funny. And then 
we just ended up like turning the notification off because it was just like, oh, what was that so moment stressed? like where you? I, I distinctly remember the time where Amy and I got our first ever brand deal. And yeah. I tell you now, the commission we earned from it was like 40 quid. It was like no yeah. money at all. Like I couldn't use it for anything. Yeah. But I distinctly remember a feeling of going, I made money from nothing. Yeah. Like I made money from my head. What was that moment like where you were like, I've just made money? Well, I think that's what I'm actually like addicted to is like making money off something that I've done and I think like the reward off that for me is so big that like Mm. that's what drives me to like continue and like that when I remember like getting that first like after that first end of that February and I was just like looking at that money in my account and I was just like I've done that though and it was like even like the money but then like also the following for the brand came quite quickly as well I wanted to talk to you about that about socials and how important socials has been for the business it was like, it was like massively important. Um, to be honest, I think the traffic through Etsy was what brought me the main um, like bulk of the money. But the thing that like put, like that made me be able to like do that as a full-time job was sort of the socials. And I was quite lucky that I jumped onto Instagram Reels and I did come up with something that was a bit like unique and like no no one else was doing it in like the sweet things because believe you me I followed every sweet shop that there was on Instagram and I remember like um it was like my second I think it was my second reel it hit like 1.5 million but this was like back in like 20 like years ago like when I think it was all sort of like becoming a thing and I remember like that was like so huge and I was like oh my god I can't believe that I'd had like that many views off it and I actually jumped about 12,000 followers off that one reel and I just continued to do the reels and they mm. were really creative it was like the gloves yeah, yeah, with the yeah, sweet yeah. boxes and I think people just enjoyed watching it and yeah. that sort of gave me like another push so I think alongside like the Etsy the Etsy wasn't getting me any of the followers on the socials but mm. the social content the reels and stuff were obviously like boosting that. Mm. And I think between the two of them, that's what led to actually having a business that like made money quite quickly, quite early on. And what made you apply for The Apprentice? (laughs) So it was a bit of a joke. (laughs) Actually, the the main question is, what's the harder interview process? Emirates or The Apprentice? I don't think, well, mm, okay. So The Apprentice, you go through two lots of interviews. You go through the interview to get onto the show and then you go through the interviews Mm. that I've just done for the the investment. So the interview to get onto The Apprentice, um, I was very aware that it was an entertainment show. And it's got more um, entertainment versus when, I remember I used to watch it years and years and years ago. And it was less and ent- it was always drama filled but i yeah. feel like now it's so much more entertainment based yeah i agree like don't get me wrong everyone has a credible business that yeah. goes on there and they do yeah. vet our businesses um 100 mm. but i think what you've got to remember like it is also an entertainment tv show they have to have an audience like they mm. have to make people laugh like that's the way they get their viewings yeah. like it's not all that serious like if you've watched apprentice especially in the last few seasons like you'll know it is like full of laughs as well mm. um so i think when i went into that like i was just very mindful that it was like a bit of an entertainment show yeah um so i didn't really feel like that was much of like a job interview um mm. which is completely different than emirates because i was like oh my god emirates is a job whereas this i just thought 
I just thought I'm just going to bring my personality. And I had, I'd actually mm. listened to a few podcasts as well of people talking about their interview process to get onto The Apprentice. Mm. And I think everyone kind of says the same thing. It's like your business will take you so far, but you've got to have like a personality to get on there as well. And I think without having like those big personalities for the TV, like they wouldn't have the TV show. And I think mm. you've just got to be honest with that. Like, I think personality does take people a long way in the process as well, because yeah. there's definitely people that I know that have applied for the show that have amazing businesses and they, they, didn't, didn't, make they didn't get on. What's it like being around those big personalities for that length of time? Like how competitive, how catty, like what's it like? <laughs> it is hard because I think there is a lot of people that you normally wouldn't spend that much time with on the outside. Um, You're not gonna get on with all 18 people that you get put into that house with. And I think, you know, you're not even gonna like to work with all of these people. Like I really believe that you should work in an environment that everyone gets on and you should try and make it like as friendly, but then obviously you're putting like a massive element of competition into it as well. And it's so weird because the dynamic's so strange. Like you've got to work together to get through to the next round, but you're all in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. So it is like such a strange dynamic. dynamic. And I think after the first task, like we obviously, all the girls just wanted to be heard. Everyone wanted to, you know, have their say and come across on TV or whatever. And I think it was really difficult to sort of get anything done. Were you quite aware that you had to stand out though? Like when you're doing those tasks and you, how competitive everyone is and how entertainment focused everybody is, was it quite aware that you were like, right, I need to do something here that's gonna make me because I'm assuming as well, it's getting through the different rounds. They want people staying on the show that are also, they've got a bit of entertainment about them, right? Yeah. So what was that like? It was hard because I think in the first five minutes of sort of meeting everyone, I'd realized mm. I was like, wow, like these personalities are so strong. Mm. And I was just like, I'm not sure whether I'm cut out for this. And I sort of went into like myself a little bit and I was just like, I don't know whether I can do this. I don't know whether I can bring my A game. Like, mm. cause I feel like in my like audition as well, I was, I was exhausted after the audition because I feel like, you know, sometimes like I'm quite like a shy and like quiet person, like when I'm just on my own. And I feel like in that situation, you have to be really sort of like out there. And I felt like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to be like, you know, the best version of myself at every single minute and it's tiring. And I thought like when all the girls were like at each other and like all screaming to like get to the top, I was like, I don't know whether I've, I can compete. Yeah to be heard, like I don't want to compete to be heard. Like yeah. I wanted to just- Like you know you can compete on a business level, but this is not business. No, it yeah. was like competing to like have the loudest voice in the room. And yeah. I was like, I just don't feel like that's me. I don't want to just shout over someone just to be heard so I can keep my spot on the show. Mm. It was like really strange, but then you didn't want to say nothing because I didn't want to go home as well. So it was kind of finding that balance where like I was happy to speak up enough um, mm. which I was comfortable with, but I also didn't want to shout over everyone else just to be heard. And then, but you have to like say something as well. It was such like a weird dynamic yeah. to try and like- How pass. much do the producers get involved with that? Like how much are they pushing that drama or entertainment? Yeah, the producers are there to produce the TV show. And I think, yeah, we did the Voxes and I do think that they do produce quite a lot of it. Um, they sometimes will tell you, so-and-so said this, what mm. do you think about that? And in actual fact, it's like, 
don't even think they even said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're actually just like, you know, so and so said that, um, you know, they think that you're the weakest link in the in the show. So what are you going to say back to that? So then you're like, oh shit, like she said that I'm the weakest person on the team. Like, well, I don't want to go home. So you, they kind of like back you into this corner where you're like constantly fighting for your own position. And I think that's when it comes across that we're all like, I'm the best person here, I'm the best person here. And it's like, we're kind of backed into like sort of mm. saying that. It's, yeah. What's Alan like? Do you know what? He's exactly like what you see on the TV. Really? Yeah, like he, he <laughs> literally is. I feel like he literally, he's just the same person and um, I think the person that like shocked me the most is like Claude because yeah. he comes across in the interviews just like so stern. Oh my god, yeah. And I, remember... I would I would melt under Claude. There's no way I would hold up no. an interrogation interrogation against him. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's actually so scary. But off camera, yeah, he's so, so really? nice. He's, he's honestly so no nice. Way. He's so lovely and like. There was like times where like he'd be like cracking up at things that we were saying off camera, and I'd just be like, I literally just like thought he was such a nice person, yeah. and even like backstage, like behind of um, your fires and stuff, like he's just such a lovely person, and so so like warm, and like I feel like he does put on this like little bit of a stern sort yeah. of. To be face. fair to Claude, don't we all kind of do that in business sometimes? Yeah, like I don't think that I'm the. I think I can be quite nice and sometimes I have to lay down the law a little bit and that's not really me. So I feel like yeah. maybe that's just Cla Claude, you know, he's playing his part, isn't he? That's the thing, I know. Yeah. I think it is important that you have to play your part and he mm. plays his part so well. Like he, he has to be that person. Yeah. And I think that that is so true. Like off camera, he's just himself and he is just such a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it does, yeah, you just have to play that. Did you start to get more comfortable in that environment of right this is an entertainment show i'm going to show them a bit of entertainment here like did it get easier throughout your time there or was it always just so weird it was so weird but like i think the sort of after like the first like one or two episodes i kind of just like got into the rhythm of it and yeah. like i think once you just drop the cameras and like you forget that they're there because you actually do forget that the cameras are there. Yeah. And like once you actually just start having a laugh with people mm. and like I was having a laugh with the producers, I'd have a laugh with like the cameramen, like the sound crew, like we were just having a laugh. And then I thought like it was just my own personality. And like I feel like the first two episodes I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to be dead loud, I'm gonna have to be this, I'm gonna have to be that. But then like I think when you forget and like stop sort of like forcing like, you know, yourself to speak up. Like it just comes naturally anyway. And like, mm. I'm actually not a quiet person. Like, I'm probably shouting at you across this room now. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm actually just not that quiet person. Yeah. So I think just once you get that out of your head, sort of forget that the camera's dropped, like you just let your own personality come out anyway. Yeah. And I think that was when the things were probably most entertaining because they put so many different personalities in there anyway, that yeah, we yeah. all sort of clash or we get on and. Do, do you get to see, cause it was filmed so long ago. Do you get to see the edit before it goes out? No. 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 Not even like a, this is a clip of you. No. So it, you have no approval over. No. So when you're watching it live on TV when everybody else is, that's the first time you've watched it. Yeah, I'm like screaming at the TV. I'm like, that didn't happen. Really? And I'm like, they've cut me saying this. Like they've made me look like I'm saying that. So they really manipulate the editing. Yeah, massively. Like wow. they have to tell a story. Yeah. And they have to tell a story of why someone got fired. But like mm. the thing that got to me the most is like my facial expressions throughout that whole series. Like they've literally got me looking like so so moody all the time and like yeah. they they've got me like 
as if like I'm snarling people when they're speaking. And I'm like, I wasn't like that. No, and I just, specific- that's just that one shot. Where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I specifically remember like being in agreement like with who wanted to be the project manager. And I remember specifically on like the second task and like, I remember like Megan wanted to be project manager and I remember saying it, I was like, yeah, that's great. Like, let's move on. Like Megan's gonna be the project manager. Let's all get behind her. And I remember being really positive about it. And they've actually edited it so that I actually just, I'm the only person that doesn't speak to so everyone else. You can hear everyone else in the background saying like, yeah, that's great. They must've like muted my voice <laughs> and they've got, a, they've got a shot of me and I'm just like, and I'm like, but that didn't happen. That shot would have been from a different part. Can you talk to anybody at the company about that? Like the fact that it's no, it's, no. no. Because I've spoken to a lot of Love Islanders, and and they don't. They obviously are live, so they don't get any say. But I've also spoke to a lot of Made in Chelsea that they sometimes get some bits sent to them, and if they really hate it, then they can change it. But what I always get back to with with anybody on TV is how that affects you after the show like if, if they make you out to be this snarling person and you get hate for it do you now have support now you've left the show like are they giving you any support we do get support yeah um and there is like a dedicated like welfare team you know what you're signing up for. yeah and yeah. the thing is like they will always say you know but it did happen like you did say that and i'm like yeah, yeah but you've cut the bit what i said before about actually i really agree with this idea but i just think that maybe we could do this and you've actually cut the positive and just had me say in the negative so you're making me come across like i'm really negative but i think do you, what- th- do you think that you knew what you're getting into I had no idea what I was getting yeah. to. Like, I had no idea. It was all like a bit of a blur, like when I think back about it, but I just think like, I don't want to come away and think that that was like a really negative experience. Like mm. I want to make sure that like, I've had a positive outcome from it. So I think like, even though like sometimes like I I do get a bit like, oh, but you've edited this out and you've said this and it is like frustrating and like you want to like obviously like speak your truth and like let everyone know that like what had happened but I just think Mm. like the people that are going to judge you over that they're going to judge you regardless and like Mm. sometimes people get so wrapped up in like the edit and they think like that's exactly how it happened and that's like the only way that it can happen and they don't actually think that you know you've seen like a 20 minute clip of what we filmed over three days Mm. and I think like you've just got to be headstrong in yourself and like just think no I I know what happens like my friends and family know that I'm not like that and if the public want to think that they can. But But do, but do you think that the show do a good enough job to the people that are going on it, the contestants, to educate them on what they are getting into? They did sit down and say to us, um, you know, we can't stop the trolling. Um, mm. So they do sort of, you know, they do re- warn you about that. But yeah. I think they don't, what they don't do is they don't tell you how they will edit the show. Mm. And like, they do like to remind you that you, that you have like no control over the edit, um, but they don't sort of like tell you that we might have to like put a spin on what you say. I think it's just one of them things like, just the longer it goes on, like you're more seen on the episode. So obviously like towards like the end of the episodes, like there was only six of us. So there was only three on each team. So like, you've got nowhere to hide. And I think the trolling obviously does become like a lot more. Um, I think the trolling that gets to me is like the trolling about like the way that I look. Mm. And this was always one of the things that I was like really anxious about going into the whole process. And I said it to the producers as well. I, and I was like, I feel like I'm gonna get trolled because 
like I like to wear my makeup and you know I like like a bit out there fashion and I just feel like I was gonna be stereotyped for being the blonde scouse girl on a tv show and like I wasn't gonna be taken seriously yeah. um and I mean I did get the trolling over it I was gonna say do you, have you had that yeah yeah I've had like pretty much all the trolling like it's pretty hard and I think you do have to like turn off from it. But sometimes I do look because I think it's only natural that like you want to look. Mm. Uh, but it's the people that comment like, yeah, about my looks. Like apparently my teeth really offend everyone on the internet. I'm like, they're not your teeth, they're mine. <laughs> I just don't understand why. I mean, I always look at the person doing it and thinking what's going on in your life to want to yeah. comment that. Because this is a show about business, not about fixed teeth. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that did annoy me was this is a business TV show and um, actually during one of my interviews, which is something they didn't show, which has been something that I've been so annoyed about since the start, was that Linda had sat opposite me and she did say to me, you're very good at sitting there and looking pretty, but not much else. And I think for me, that was such a Why do you think they cut it out? Because I don't think that it would be a well-liked comment by the mm. public. And it's got nothing to do with business if I can sit there and look pretty. No. And I think in actual fact, like women in business, like we're supposed to empower each other. Mm. And I think for someone who's supposed to be like this amazing like role model for women in business to sit across to me and basically slam me about my looks and tell me that I'm not going to do anything in my life. Like, all I can do is sit there and look pretty. I thought that was so damaging. And I remember I came out of that and I just sobbed. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed to the girls downstairs. And I was just so upset. And yeah, like no one said anything from production. Like I was so angry. And like, I was just like, I can't believe that they've even been allowed to. So none of the none of the, the team filming came and had a chat with you about it. No. She never came and chatted to you about no. it. Wow. Because there has been some stuff in the media about bullying in the show. So did you see any other types of bullying bar that? I think the interviews was tough. So mm. there was a few comments that got made that we didn't think that were very fair. Um, but with the candidates, like, it's hard. Like, you're never going to get on with everyone who's in that house. Like, I didn't see any bullying. Mm. I didn't get involved in a lot of it. I was just very aware that, you know, we were in a show and I just wanted to be kind to everyone. I don't know how all the contestants feel. Like, I know there's been, like, a few articles and stuff, but I don't really know. Do you think it's... Uh more the tabloids trying to find something to create drama about yeah they love taking a little bit of information yeah, and running with it running yeah. with it like some of the headlines they come out with are just absolutely crazy like we've got to be so careful when doing like interviews and like what we say because like, they'll literally pick the tiniest sentence and mm. it'll make you sound like completely different and they do it for clickbait so they'll run that article with something as the headline mm. and it's just so far from like what you actually said. And then it's not until like you read the head, like read the article and you're like, oh, right. Okay. Mm. Like she didn't mean it in that way. It's just all clickbait. Like it's frustrating. Yeah. What, there's been a lot made about the Love Island comments and it's the second year in a row that it's been an all female final. What do you, what's your reaction to the comments that have been made about wannabe Love Islanders? I just don't know why the press go for that. Yeah. I, it just confuses me. And I think it's like really like putting us down and like, I don't know. I just don't understand like their angle on it. I don't know whether, you know, Love Island is like a massive like show and like 
I don't know whether they think that it's going to give them more engagement on their posts or they, I don't know, like they love slapping a bikini picture on of us, like when our names like first get released, like they've done it this year, they've done it last year, but it's just like mm. that comment actually has ran with me through the whole process. And I think like out of everyone, like I've had it the most, like every time I put a question box on my Instagram or I just get comments all the time, like, so when you're going on Love Island, like, and I'm like, you don't actually even know if I'm in a relationship. Like, yeah. so it's just like, it just doesn't make sense. And I think like, you just, it's like that whole like stereotyping. And it's like, they're looking at like a picture and being like, you should be on Love Island and not on a business show, but why not? Like, just because I've got makeup on and have a bikini picture on my Instagram. Yeah. Why does that mean that I can't be good at business? And I think like, that was the thing that I wanted to break going on to, the apprentice was that stereotype of what does a business person look like? Yeah. Like it, we're not stuck in like the old days where like people are wearing like, you know, yeah. a suit, like look at you now, like you're in a jumper and like you're running like a huge like business. It's like that stereotype just, I think needs to change. And I think oh, the yeah. tabloids don't really help with, yeah. With do you that. think you've done that? Do you think you've broken that stereotype or do you think it's too early to tell? I'd like to think that I've broken that stereotype to have a lot of like messages of like people on Instagram um, a lot oh. of positive messages of girls saying like they, they'd love to start a business and mm. um, they've just been scared and I've given them the confidence and mm. I think like that is like one of the things that makes me so happy about like the outcome of the show and like how mm. far like, I've gotten it um, but I just think sometimes like the press they just just jump on it yeah what what in terms of the outcome of the show how do you think it's going to affect the sweet life like what do you think that the outcome of the show is going to lead to now it's a hard one because i thought going on to the show would give my business like huge exposure mm. and like i don't know what i thought like i remember having conversations like with my family and i was like oh like i'm gonna have to um because like sometimes like when it gets like really busy on etsy um i have to like turn the shop off mm. just so i can catch up with orders and then like turn it back on and i was like oh my god like i feel like um in january like it's normally a quiet month i was like i feel like it's gonna be so busy like i might have to turn the shop off and like honestly like it didn't change really mm. anything for my business i would say now sort of getting into like the final there has been like a bit of like a change and like there has been like a few hundred followers like on the account but i think like i really sort of thought there was going to be like a massive sort of change. Do you think that social media had a bigger, bigger impact than the shows had? Like your own socials? My personal socials have had such like a massive like impact from it, like way more than my wow. business. And yeah. actually the stuff that's come through for me personally has made me more money than what my business has in the time, like, sort of like I'm being on the wow. show. So I think, yeah, like I, it, that really shocked me. And I thought it was actually going to be like completely the other way around. Mm. And I think like, yeah, that's like the thing that's like literally shocked me the most. It's crazy. Yeah, because I mean, I'm always going to say this because I run a social media company, but I think the power of TV is going down and down and down. Even Love Islanders, they're not the Love Islanders of the Molly May era now. No. And I think that one of the biggest things that you can get out of a TV show is a bit more of an increased following for your own personal socials. Have you seen a boost in your personal socials? I'm assuming you've had a bit of a... A jump. Yeah, so I've had a bit of a jump um, and I've gained like over 20,000, like maybe, yeah, it's up to about 22,000 now mm. on my personal social on my Instagram. And then I've gained about 20,000 on my TikTok as well. And then, mm. um, yeah, so it's like nearly like 
yeah, 40 sort of plus thousand. What, what I really like about your socials is that you've you've doubled down on it. Like you're like, I really, really want to make this, um, I guess, a career. Yeah. I also read something or saw something where you're talking about consistency and how yeah. important it is. So how important has consistency been for you and your socials? It's been so important. Like I made a promise to myself. So I always wanted to do socials like mm. I love the creative element of it and like I just that was always the thing that I loved about my business was creating the content and I just loved like watching and engaging with these videos and I think that I never had the sort of confidence to yeah. do it and I thought like now's my chance because I feel like my school friends won't laugh at me and they won't be like, why is she posting a makeup video? Or like, why is she doing a skincare video? Like, that's embarrassing. And I thought that's like- That's such a hurdle for a lot of people though. Yeah. Is their friends around them, not you're, people not wanting their friends to see it. Yeah. And then once you actually start posting, the majority of them don't say anything. I know. I remember I wouldn't even show Monica my first video. <laughs> I'd done like a skincare video and I posted it before The Apprentice aired. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even show you. I wasn't even talking on it. Like I was literally just rubbing my face and I was like, I cannot show you this video. And it was that whole, like, just the confidence. I was like, people are just gonna rip me to shreds. They're gonna be judging me. Why is she doing this? Why is she doing that? And mm. I think that's like one of the things as well, like the most favorite part of coming off the show is like, I feel like I sort of had a purpose and like, yeah. I was allowed to do it, even though mm. I was allowed to do it before. I just didn't have the confidence to do it. I thought yeah. everyone would judge me. And I feel like, cause I was on the show, I feel like, no, mm. I, no, I can do it now. And I don't know why I felt like I needed that. Validation. That, yeah, but I feel like I did. And yeah. that's how, yeah. Do you feel the tag of a role model now that you've come off the show and you've got these people messaging you saying you've inspired me, I want to go start a business. Do you now have a, a sense of responsibility that you need to keep posting, keep sharing your story, whether it is about the sweet life or even just your own socials. Is there like a, a pressure now on you? I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't feel the pressure from external mm. people. I feel the pressure more from myself. Yeah. And I think because I've started now mm. and this is something that I've been so interested in I feel like almost like the pressure that I don't want to drop off and mm. more for like me yeah. um but I do feel like you know there are people that like are consistently like messaging me and like wanting to see like what's next and like I've had so many messages this week like can't wait to see what's next for you like and like every like when I've met people and they're always like oh my god I love your like get ready with me videos like, I love just hearing about it like yeah so I feel like yeah maybe like there is that sort of like you know, people are enjoying it and especially coming off like a show that is like business, like it is a positive yeah. thing. And like, cause I did get so far, like perhaps like, yeah, there is a bit of pressure like to stay sort of like role model like. Mm. <laughs> what is next? So I want to concentrate on my socials and I've really been enjoying it. And I think mm. why not just do something that you really enjoy and like that you really love. And I think I've, never had the confidence to do it before. And I feel like now that I've sort of like broke down that like, I literally don't care now. Like I will post it. Like I literally do like the shittest video and I'll edit it and I'll be like, that's actually all right. Like I'll shove it on. And I used to like analyze things so much. And like, yeah. now I'm just like, I don't care. Like I just, I just, I feel like I've just fell in love with it. And I feel like 
when I came off the show, I feel like there was a lot of like negativity about my business towards the end. And like Lord Sugar did say, keep it as a hobby. And like, it was like really disheartening to hear that because I was like, well, actually this has been my full-time job and it's paid me a full-time wage and a good one. So I did feel like really negative about it. And I think like, I don't know, I just kind of like, fell out of love with it a little bit. Mm. And I think now that I've sort of like started this, I've just got like that passion behind it. And I think that's what I've lost. Yeah. Perhaps like in the business, like in my own business side of it. So I think that's where I'm sort of feeling the tip over to. I think it's a good thing though, in any kind of business. I mean, I, all the business people I know who've got successful businesses, they started like four or five different businesses or, yeah. or they had like little side hustles until they found the one that they wanted to do because they learned so much from those first initial businesses that sets them up. Like I, I wanted to do an events company. I wanted to do yeah. a videography company and I started all these things and then it, I fell into this and you've kind of fallen into socials off yeah. the back of your business doing well, then getting on a show. What, what kind of advice do you have for young female entrepreneurs trying to, who are maybe like, I just don't know how to get into, you know, starting a business. Where do you begin? Like, what's your advice for them? Like just start today. Like don't yeah. put it off. Like, I started my business like I thought I'm gonna do it. I started it with 250 quid. Like mm. I know that might be like a lot of money like now, but it's just starting it. Like even just the Instagram page, get the Instagram page up and running. Like if you don't know how to build a website and you've not got the money behind it to like build a website, learn how to build the website. I yeah. learned how to build my website off YouTube. So like I've learned that I can code a little bit now. Like just there's mm. resources around you. Like you just need an internet, like get on the internet, get the laptop out, just learn it and I just don't think like don't off put it and I think the same for like mm. the social side of it as well I think it's just the same with everything like just have the confidence to start it and like as soon as you start that and like open the door to it I feel like you can just run with it and mm. I feel like sometimes like you know we're the worst at like being like self-critical and like you know like putting things off and oh, I'll do it next week and you just you're never gonna do it like no. just if you've got an idea just go with it I always say to people that the worst thing you can do is try and plan a business. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that business plans aren't important and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> but if you, just, anyway. <laughs> if you just sit there and just try and plan every aspect of your business, the arrogance to think that you can plan every aspect of your business and that it's gonna be perfect yeah, when you've never run a business yeah. is, is madness to me. So I always say to people, just get started. Yeah, and, and make mistakes. Make the mistakes and you'll learn from it and your business will evolve anyway. So, yeah. I think that's really good advice. One of the other reasons I wanted to speak to you isn't just because of The Apprentice and your socials. It's that you're quite big on mindset, aren't you? Yeah. And there's a book, Think Like a Monk. Mm. I've not read it. Why should I read it? So I find Jay Shetty really interesting. Yeah. And I think his whole, so he went and basically like practiced to be a monk and then came back to like live in London and obviously worlds apart, like <laughs> yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah. And I just think for me is like having a good mindset and being in like a routine, like with your mindset, I just think is so important. And I think it always, every time like I sort of like get a bit like lost in anything, I always just bring it back to my mindset and like going back to like little, little bits of information that I read and like things that like will stand out to me. And I just think it just creates everything. Like you need to have that sort of like, 
sort of like line and like go up from it. And I think every time like you sort of get a bit like lost and a bit frustrated, it's always good to just come back to mindset. And I think by having a strong mindset, like once you've conquered your mindset, like you can conquer anything. Mm. Like you don't need like anyone else to like help you. I feel like once you're focused and you're in yeah. that mindset, like you can literally like aim for whatever. And I feel like it will just help you like get there. Mm. Manifestation, huge. Yeah, I mean, so many people I've been speaking to on this podcast have said similar things and they're all in fairly successful situations, but they also go through a lot of tough and stressful times and they always go back to you can choose your mindset as well you can choose to be happy you can choose to be sad within the realms of you know obviously there are some really stressful bad things out there but in terms of day-to-day -day, you can choose your mindset yeah and that's the first thing you have to get right before you can be successful or just positive in anything yeah so final question what is your one tip for a positive mindset for me personally it's actually routine yeah and i just think having some form of routine in your life like even if it's nothing to do with like business it's just like your personal life like for me like one of the things that like keeps me like in a positive mindset is just having like my daily walks with my dog like I have that hour where I just like switch off from things I just go for a walk and it does like make me happy and like Benny gets upset when he doesn't get his walk, but like I get upset as well. And like, I think it all just, yeah, I think routine and like consistency across like the board is just so, so important. And I think I always feel out of whack when I'm not in routine. Yeah. Like I've been away now for a few days and I'm like, I'm itching get to get back. back to, yeah, just to like my normal sort of like routine life. Cause I feel like, oh, I've not posted on my socials enough. I've not done this. Like I've not like looked at my business orders. And I think that, like creates like this mindset that I don't like to be in. So I think like when I'm in a routine, like I always feel like more positive and I think feel more calm and feel like you can just achieve a lot more when you're in that sort of mindset. I completely agree. Vic, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah.